Welcome to Life After Blindness, a blog and podcast that is dedicated to the exploration of an enabled life of blindness. And now, here's your host, Tim Schwartz. Thank you, Alyssa, and thanks once again to every one of you for tuning in to the Life After Blindness podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can send your emails to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. On the show this week, I'll be speaking with Ed Green. Ed is a co-host on the Blind Android Users podcast. He'll tell us all about updates for TalkBack in versions 9.0 and 9.1. And later, I'll be speaking with journalist, author, and advocate Robert Kingett. Robert will talk to us about his efforts to negotiate with Patreon to make it more accessible for its creators and patrons. That and more coming up on this week's Life After Blindness. But first, I do want to take just a moment to thank everybody who's gotten in touch with me the last week to tell me about your pandemic stories or your personal blindness stories, or just to get in contact to say, hey, Tim, we're so glad that you're back and doing well. It's so amazing to get messages from everybody and um, really makes me feel good. Very, very humbled, but uh, makes me feel very good. So thank you, everybody, for getting in touch. I uh, gave the email at the top of the show. I'll give it to you again here later. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, though, you can do that by going to Twitter or Facebook and following at Labcast or just search for Life After Blindness. For the Apple fans out there, make sure you stay tuned because later in the show, I will be doing a tech tip explaining how to use automations in Siri shortcuts to turn on Do Not Disturb automatically and then off again when using an app like Audible. But first, let's talk to Ed Green from blindandroidusers.com about the recent updates that have been made to TalkBack on Android. Ed, thanks so much for being on Life After Blindness. Welcome. Pleasure, Tim. Thanks very much for the invite. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. It's 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 usually an iPhone-centric world um, around me, and uh, to be able to get someone who actually knows what they're talking about with Android is is very very helpful and, and welcome. So I'm glad that you guys do what you do, and uh, you know I, I do encourage everybody to check out your podcast. So so Ed, let's go back then. Like I said, last summer Android 11 came out, and that changed a lot of things in the way that you could use. Talk back. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what happened there? Yeah, sure. So historically, um, talk back uh, was a single finger gesture uh, screen reader. Um, you can add a second finger to perform operating system gestures, which sighted people would perform with a single finger. But by and large, you operated talk back with single finger only, uh, which obviously meant a fairly restricted, uh, though though well thought out gesture set. In Android 11, though, uh, multi-finger gestures, albeit as an experimental feature, came to TalkBack. Uh, and, and this meant that uh, many more gestures were available. So, for instance, if you enabled multi-finger gesture uh, on Android 11, uh, you could swipe left and right to move by default, but then you could use vertical navigation uh, to have some other unit of navigation, a bit like Samsung Voice Assistant uh, owners had, and obviously as you have with iOS. So, so it wasn't a rotor on Android 11, but you could you could flick with three fingers left and right uh, to change the granularity. Uh, uh, so similar concepts. Uh, prior to that, uh, left and right on uh, TalkBack navigated by whatever unit you set up and down to do. So if you uh, set granularity to Word, clicking left and right, navigated by Word. Uh, so, so that was the way Android did things. So, so three finger 
uh, and, and, and two finger and indeed four finger gestures have, have expanded the gesture set quite significantly. Uh, obviously not all devices are on Android 11 yet uh, running, uh, running that, but uh, Pixels are, uh, OnePlus uh, devices are, and, and, and Samsung relatively recently uh, moved to Android 11 and I suspect some other manufacturers have too. The second big change in Android 11 uh, was Google and Samsung's collaboration. So if you're a Samsung owner on uh, Android 11, voice assistant is no more. But as uh, what I said uh, originally, you'll have probably gathered that uh, TalkBack uh, 9 on Android 11 borrowed quite a lot of uh, voice assistant's gestures. The Android, sorry, the Samsung Google Talkback is a little bit different. It's a, it's a bespoke Samsung Google collaboration at this stage. So, I think that's had one or two teething problems that Samsung owners have reported. Mm. Uh, but those, you know, in terms of responsiveness, a couple of things not working quite as planned. But um, hopefully, they will be ironed out in future. And then last week, everyone running Talkback, regardless of whether they're on Android 11 or not, got an update to Talkback 9.1. Uh, and that has some interesting new features. So this new granularity method, um, albeit uh, multi-fingers only work on Android 11, this idea that you can have left and right moving by default and up and down moving by some other setting, uh, like on Voice Assistant or iOS, uh, that came to all Android uh, uh, phones which could run TalkBack 9.1, so including those on Android uh, 9 and 10. Um, albeit, you, you, you know, you change the granularity differently because you only have one finger. So that was a big, big change in the Android world and uh, will take, I think, some adjustments. Well, yeah, absolutely. With any major update like that, it's it's going to take time, not just for it to roll out to the user base, because as you said, you know, Android 11, you know, the adoption rate's not quite there yet. Uh, but then, you know, people getting used to it and then sometimes updates break things or change things. Uh, let's let's take a step back then to the multi-finger gestures that were, were uh, implemented last year. I know that you actually were an iPhone user for quite some time, so you were familiar with multi-finger gestures on the iPhone at least. How do the multi-finger gestures with TalkBack compare and and are you able to change things to your liking? I, I presume because it's Android, you should be able to. Uh, if Apple can, Android can. Um, and and how, how is that experience compared to what you know of the iPhone? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I'm lucky. I've got the, the OnePlus seem to have implemented them quite well. I've, I've heard that, you know, whether it's people getting used to them or some screens not being quite as responsive, that they've worked well for me, the multi-finger gestures. Uh, things like Magic Tap, which oddly enough, I, I think I'm the only, uh, I, I was the only iPhone user who didn't like Magic Tap. But it, it's, now, oh, really? it's, now, it's now come to Android. I would find that whenever I hung up a call, if someone and I hung up simultaneously, music would start playing at massively inappropriate moments like when I was at work uh, so it's, it's, yeah. who do, it's who does the double tap or you know the who does the hang up first I'm like please don't do that so you hang uh, up. no you hang up yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so, so, so the magic tap uh, came uh, with multi-finger gestures in Android 11 uh, you know it, 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 it's a good gesture set it, it's very configurable as you say you can go in you can go in and change all of them uh, as you'd expect to be able to do the other the other thing that the multi-finger gestures uh, mean that you have to do even less of is those angular gestures uh, which I know caused a problem for some although to be honest the extent to which you had to use them uh, was a bit overstated
devastated because there were only ever six of them and four of them uh, there were operating system gestures which involved swiping to accomplish so i think i think probably google necessarily scared people off with setting so many angular gestures you didn't need but but the joy of three finger gestures or four finger gestures is that um is that that there's less need for those angular gestures because you've got more you've got more gesture real estate to play with if you will so so, so i like multi-finger gestures uh, as i say not, not a universal view but uh, I, f I find them quite efficient and, it, and it's good to be able to assign uh, more commands to more 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 gestures uh, which are readily available yeah, it definitely makes the navigation of a phone much more efficient it is something more to learn but hey you know with all the shortcuts and and you know things that we have to learn as blind or visually impaired people we're, we're kind of used to that i guess but i i love multi-finger gestures on the iphone i live and die by them every day using you know from one tap to four fingers to swipes and all you know everything you know and yeah. assigning my own thing so i'm so happy that it's come to android because i really honestly think that with the introduction of multi-finger gestures and some of the other things that uh, Android has been adding for TalkBack, really it's it's kind of equal now. And a year or two years ago, maybe or more, I would never have said that as an iPhone or you know Apple user. But I think that they're they're pretty equal. And if anybody ever asked me, you know, which one is best or which one should I go to, because I've never ever used one before, it's it's really kind of preference and what uh, what ecosystem you want to get into, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And one of my favorite multi-finger gestures, and and it, and it just lends itself to Android, is that there's a pass-through gesture. So you can actually send gestures through to the operating system. So if you have a sighted coworker, he tells you to do something on your phone, and you're not quite sure what, if any, talkback equivalent there is for that, it doesn't matter because you just do a pass-through and you can perform that gesture, assuming the person telling you about it describes it well enough. I mean, I agree with you, certainly as far as speech is concerned. I think uh, that Steve Nutt, a guy in the UK who, um, who who's very much into his Android, describes it as a, you know, as a, as a lifestyle choice almost, which do you prefer? And, and you can make the choices uh, not based on accessibility anymore if you are a speech user. Uh, I'm not sure that's quite the same with Braille still, although to be fair, I don't think iOS is exactly uh, stellar on Braille, but it is it is better than Android, I think. But but as far as uh, speech, as you say, as you say, I, I don't think there's anything in it now. I have heard that argument that even with all these updates from Android 11 and TalkBack 9 and now even 9.1, Braille support has been a little tricky from what I hear. Yeah, I mean, the Braille, Braille is still in its separate app. It's in Braille back. Um, it, it does seem it does doesn't seem to quite get the love I think it should do. So I think I think Braille support. I mean, hopefully, hopefully Google will turn to it and it, and, it, and it'll improve. But I think I think it, it, it does still have a ways to go. You know, there still needs to interact with the touch screen more often than there should be. It's difficult to drive it entirely from the display, uh, and it will vary based on the display you have, though. But um, you know, things like you can't open uh, the, the the talkback menu from a Braille display. I think he's a bit, uh, a yeah, bit unfortunate. That, that doesn't really make sense, does it? So we've gone back to summer of 2020 talking about the implementation of Android 11 as well as TalkBack 9 and multi-finger gestures, which again, I think is just so fantastic. But to a lesser extent, 9.1 of TalkBack has just come out here recently and has added things, but is maybe kind of broken things. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I'll talk about what it's added first. So um, 
this this idea that you can navigate by default, flicking left and right, and then navigate uh, by a unit of navigation or change a setting by flicking up and down uh, has come to all uh, Android phones capable of running 9.1, which isn't just Android 11, it's, it's Android 10, Android 9 as well, possibly, possibly even earlier. Uh, they don't have multi-finger gestures, uh, but they do have this new style of navigation, which is obviously quite, quite, quite the change. Uh, there's now also a merged talkback menu. Talkback previously had two context menus, a local one, uh, which if you're in a text field might let you have edit options around selecting text. If you were on a, a home screen, it might have talkback actions so you can move icons around and it might let you change the, and it would let you change the, the navigation unit by lines and words. And then it had kind of a global one where you could get into talkback settings, you could copy the last utterance to clipboard and all that sort of stuff. Those two menus have merged now to make it all a bit simpler. There's one talkback menu and you can customize what's in that. And quite excitingly, there are, there are talkback voice commands now, so you can control talkback by voice. Um, one, one little tip for everyone with that, um, the, the talkback tutorial, which comes with Android, uh, with talkback 9.1, uh, tells you what the gesture for that is. On my phone, that gesture was actually unassigned and I had to go in and turn it on uh, and oh, set no. it. So I was wondering, <laughs> can't I do angular gestures anymore? Have I been spoiled with multi-finger? But no, it was just not set up. Uh, so you might have to go and do that. And the other really nice thing about Android 9.1 is that the first thing in TalkBack settings is what's new in TalkBack. Uh, so you can click on that and get that. A couple of other minor changes. Um, yeah, Spanish and Arabic are now supported on the TalkBack Braille keyboard, and they've rejigged the settings layout a little bit to hopefully make it a bit more intuitive and easier to find things. They did break something, though. And so if you had Android 9.0 running Android 11, and you don't yet have the March security patch, which, let's face it, that's probably everyone who doesn't own a Pixel, Right. Your multi-finger your multi gestures are broken. So I've got a one plus eight and my security patches are applied bi-monthly. Um, I've got the January patch. So I reckon I'll get the March one later this month or in April. So if I want to use TalkBack 9.1 in the meantime, uh, no multi-finger gestures for me until that March security patch comes out. But as I say, if you've got a Pixel running the March patch, uh, you're fine. If you've got an older Android phone, you know, it won't have multi-finger gestures anyway. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be good with the new features if you like them. Now, if you were really loving multi-finger gestures and you have 9.1 of TalkBack and it's broken for you, uh, is there a way to roll that back until the fix comes? There is, uh, if you are running Android 11, which you would be because you were running 9.0. So Android TalkBack in Android 11 seems to be a system app. So I, so I did this. I went to the Play Store. You can get to TalkBack in the Play Store either, uh, most obviously by going through the Play Store, but also in TalkBack settings. And there's an uninstall button. And it said, do you want to uninstall all updates to this system app? To which I said, yes. And it came off and it came back up talking. On my... Uh, Samsung running Android 10, though, uh, where TalkBack is fully a Play Store app, I, I thought I'd see if that would work as well. So I hit uninstall and it said, do you want to uninstall this app? 
So I decided I didn't ah, want to do that. No. Uh, not that it mattered because the, the Samsung doesn't have multi-finger gestures anyway. Mine doesn't. So um, I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. So, so if you do want to try uninstalling the update because you don't like it, do listen very, very carefully to what your talkback is advising you to do and, and, and proceed very carefully. Don't just, uh, as I say, on Android 11, you should be all right. On earlier versions of Android 10, I suspect it's going to take the app off. Very, very good advice. And I like that feature. Boy, I wish there was a easier way to do that on iPhone. Oh, I, I can't believe I just said that. Wow. <laughs> I feel really, really dirty all of a sudden. <laughs> Um, there are obviously, if you do find yourself in a pickle, you can obviously put that version back on. Uh, the the, the um, Play Store will let you install things from your computer without even connecting your phone to your computer. So it's not the end of the world if somehow you've taken off TalkBack and you didn't mean to. Getting the old version of TalkBack back if you've uninstalled it probably involves things like, uh, you know, getting getting the app file from somewhere else, which again is very much... Uh, be very careful if you don't know what you're doing and stuff like that because you know there are security implications but yeah android will let you install apps from the play store from a computer which isn't even connected to your phone very very nice so that all being said then ed is there anything else that we absolutely need to know about android 11 or updates to android as as they pertain to accessibility and especially talkback anything else that we absolutely need to know um, I don't think so. As I say, keep an eye out for that March patch. It should fix any Android 11 issues that you're facing. Uh, report back to Google if you're using it. You know, Google are on Be My Eyes. They've got a they've got a disability support desk. Uh, they they engage. Doesn't doesn't automatically mean that stuff gets fixed. Obviously, but it does get passed on to developers. So if you like the new features, tell them. If you don't tell them and if you want other things they've not done I'd, I'd tell them so you know it's getting better all the time is android it, it's obviously it's always been heavily customizable and uh yeah i think we can look forward to uh, an exciting android year with, with android 12 just around the corner and all sorts of no doubt shiny new phones coming out oh yeah always new toys for us to play with uh, no matter which side of the aisle you're on here whichever line you cross there always new toys and fun things to do so um so that's fantastic I, I really appreciate all this information uh and and telling us about android and talk back and all of its most recent updates so uh ed if people want to get a hold of you or find out uh, more about what you're doing in this space and uh, find you online and your show and everything please tell everybody how they can do that yeah, you can uh, find our podcast at blindandroidusers.com. You can subscribe. You should find it in our uh, podcast, in your podcast player. Um, uh, you can email us at contact us at blindandroidusers.com. Uh, and there's details on the website of our mailing lists and uh, Telegram group as well. And our Twitter account is blinddroidusers. Fantastic. Well, Ed Green, thank you so much for coming on Life After Blindness. I really do appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Tim. Who knew? Seriously, who knew that eventually Android and TalkBack would catch up, possibly, maybe catch up <laughs> to the iPhone? Uh, I, I tease. Um, but anyway, no, thank you so much to Ed Green from blindandroidusers.com and the Blind Android Users podcast. I have listened to a few of their episodes and these guys are on the something. We have Apple Viz for Apple and I think blindandroidusers.com is going to be a great resource for blind people, blind and visually impaired people that use Android. So I do definitely recommend that you check them out if you're interested in Android and TalkBack as a possible alternative for iPhone. Speaking of iPhone, have you ever been in the middle of an amazing book, especially an audiobook, 
or been reading something online and you didn't want to be interrupted, but you forgot to turn on Do Not Disturb. Well, have no fear, because there is an app for that, as they say, or in this case, an automation for that. And I'm here to show you how in today's Tech Tip. T3 initiated. Did you know that by using the automations feature within the Shortcuts app on your iPhone, you can do so many things that will make your life on and off your iPhone so much easier? Well, today I'm going to show you one of just many things that you can do using automations in Shortcuts. First, let's go ahead and launch the Shortcuts app. Shortcuts. Shortcuts. And if you slide your finger down to the very bottom of the screen, right in the middle, you should find the... Automation tab, two of three. Select it. And now if you're using voiceover, you can use a four finger single tap near the top of the screen to put you at the top and then start swiping right. Automation heading, create automation button. This is what we're looking for. So go ahead and select it. Cancel button. Swipe to the right. New automation heading. Create an automation that runs on a personal iPhone or iPad. Create personal automation button. Create an automation that works for everyone in the home. Create home automation button. For our purposes today, we want to create a personal automation. So let's go back to that and select. Create an automation that works for everyone in the home. Create personal automation button. Time of day X at 8 a.m. weekdays button. What you've just heard is the first in a long list of things that you can create automations with. So as I scroll down by flicking right, you'll hear many other things that we could automate, but we'll keep swiping right until we hear the one we're looking for. Alarm X. When my alarm is stopped button. Sleep X. When wind down starts button. Arrive X. When I arrive at the gym button. Leave X. When I leave work button. Before I commute X. 15 minutes before I leave for work button. CarPlay X. When CarPlay connects button. Email X. When I get an email from Jane button. Message X. When I get a message from mom button. App watch workout X. When I start the workout button. Wi-Fi X. When my iPhone joins home Wi-Fi button. Bluetooth X. When my iPhone connects to AirPods button. NFC X. When I tap an NFC tag button. App X. When weather is opened or closed button. So each and every one of those things you just heard are different things you can do with your phone that you can then add an automation to to make something specific trigger with the choice that you make. And we have now landed on what we were looking for. I was looking for app. So let's select it and begin creating our automation. Win. App. App. Choose. Double tap to dismiss pop-up window button. Cancel button. Choose app heading. Done. Dimmed button. Search apps. Search field. Search field is edit. Search field is editing. Search app selected. Sh cap A. Cap A. J. I. U. U. D. D. Audio jack. Audio escape room. Audio game hub 2. Audible. Selected. Audible. Double tap to dismiss. Cancel. But choose app. Heading. Done. Button. What you just heard was me swiping through that next screen and searching for the Audible app. 
Once I found it and selected it, hit the done button, it now brings me to the next screen where I can determine what it is I want Audible to do in this automation. So either when Audible is opened, app Audible selected is opened button, or when it's closed, is closed button. Keep in mind, if you're creating an automation like what I'm doing here, where you want something specific to be triggered when Audible opens, you may need to come back in and create a second automation to trigger whatever it is when Audible is closed to turn it off. For this example, I'm going to be triggering Do Not Disturb mode to turn on when Audible is open, and for Do Not Disturb mode to turn off when it's closed. So we will continue on to the next screen so I can show you how to trigger that action for Do Not Disturb. Select app, app, win, next button, next. Search for apps and actions, search field. You'll notice that it very appropriately put me into the search box area so I could double tap here and immediately look for the appropriate action that I want to associate to this automation. But for purposes of this demonstration, I'm going to do a four finger single tap near the top of the screen. So that'll put me at the top and then I can swipe right to show you what else is above the search box on this screen. New automation, back button, actions, heading, next button. Choose the actions this automation will run. Add action button. Search for apps and actions. Search field. Search field is editing. Search for apps and actions. Word mode. Insertion point. Cap D. Cap D. Space N. N. D. D. More info button. As you heard, I only needed to type in DND for do not disturb. I didn't have to type the whole thing out and I didn't even have to hit the search button. I just used my finger to run along the bottom of the screen and then swiped left to go basically backwards up the screen and you heard the more info button. And then right above that is the do not disturb action. So let's select that and see what we can do. Set do not disturb button heading actions of added set new automation back button actions heading next button set do not disturb action heading turn do not disturb off actions available edit do not disturb off turn do not disturb on until turned off. Do not disturb action heading. All I needed to do here was to swipe to the right until I got to the action I was looking for to either have do not disturb be on until otherwise turned off or to be turned off. In this case, I want it to turn on when audible is opened. So I flicked with one finger. You can do that up or down and then select whichever option you'd like to either have it turn on or turn off. So I did that and we're now going to go to the next screen. Next button. Next. Back button. This last screen is basically a summary of every action you've taken so far. Of course, this automation is very simple, but you can make much more complicated and in-depth automations for other purposes. But I'm going to go ahead and swipe through this one so you can see what we've created. And then we'll determine whether we want to be alerted every time the automation runs or not. New automation. Heading. Done. Button. When, when Audible is opened, do, set do not disturb, ask before running, switch button, on, alert, don't ask before running, whenever this automation is triggered, it will perform actions on your behalf without asking first, cancel, button, don't ask, button, ask before running, switch button, off. In this particular case, I don't need for shortcuts to alert me when do not disturb is turned on. 
that kind of defeats the purpose of not being disturbed. So I have turned this off, but of course you could keep it on and it will alert you that it has actually been turned on. At this point, you would just go back to the top of the screen and select the done button and you would have an automation that would allow do not disturb to be turned on when opening audible. But like any good cooking show, I already have two automations set up for this, so I don't need to go to the top and hit done. Uh, but I will go ahead to the app switcher and go to Audible and show you that the automation does indeed work. So let's launch the app switcher and switch over to Audible. App switcher, shortcuts, active. Settings, active. Audible, active. Actions of shortcuts, now. Audible, Slaughterhouse 5, by Kurt Vonnegut, narrated by James Franco. 5 hours, 13 minutes, white text on a black background. And now that Audible is open, let's go to the status bar at the very top of the screen and see if Do Not Disturb is actually now on. 2.52 p.m. Status bar item. Do Not Disturb. Image. Possibly. Phone. As you heard, Do Not Disturb is now on. So let's go ahead and just go home so that we close Audible and see if Do Not Disturb turns off. Cellular messages. Two unread messages. Social 2.52 p.m. Status bar item. Orientation locked. Image. And there you go. Do Not Disturb is turned off as soon as I closed Audible. Now, I won't be interrupted by any notifications coming through while I'm trying to listen to my book. So if you wish that there was just some way that you could automate things better for your life using your Apple iPhone, check out Automations in Siri Shortcuts. There might just be something in there to help you. For anybody who's not familiar with automations in shortcuts, I hope that that demonstration was a good introduction to kind of whet your appetite as to the many, many things that you can do when automating using shortcuts. There's just so much that you can do. Now, if there's a particular topic that you'd like me to cover in a future tech tip, just let me know. Send me an email, tim at lifeafterblindness.com, and I will try to feature your idea in an upcoming episode. Next up, I had started my own Patreon account for Life After Blindness, and I wanted to talk to somebody to find out, is it accessible? Is it not? Is it worth it? So I thought it would be a good idea to speak with someone who has been intimately involved with this process with Patreon as far as getting them to implement accessibility and really, really help move the platform forward. That person is a journalist, author, and advocate for the blind and visually impaired community. He is Robert Kingett. Robert, thank you so much for coming on Life After Blindness. Thank you for having me. So, Robert, I know that this is very near and dear to your heart, as all accessibility is and advocating for it. There's a lot of different things that you have fought for in your life and, and career, especially as a journalist and advocate. And this is just the recent in, in a lot of things that you've done working with Patreon. So talk to me about this process. What, what Let's start off first with what what is Patreon? Uh, so Patreon is a platform that allows creators to make money basically creating things um music uh podcast uh, um merchandise um you can do uh, lots of things with a patreon it, it it's a service where people donate some 
money to you, then you provide like a show or like a series of drawings. So it's crowdsourced donations, but you're donating to a creator rather than like a corporation or like a host or something. So it's really personal. It is really personal. And for a long time, I've wanted to have my own Patreon account because it it is for creators, like you said, and there's so much that you can do with it. To me, as a lot of my listeners know from the beginning, making money from the podcast or the blog has never been really my priority. However, if I were able to find a way to build a community of people, which I've, I've done, thankfully, with this show, with Life After Blindness, and mm-hmm. have a way that that community could... Uh, participate together and with myself. I mean, we do that on Facebook and Twitter, of course, and and can do some things online as a community, but to have a place like Patreon where the community can gather and, and they have forums and, and message boards and polls that you can take and you can be involved in the process of the show, depending on obviously the, the makeup of a person's Patreon page. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, I now have my Patreon set up. You, Robert, have had one set up for a while but it wasn't easy because it's not been accessible. And that's the the key here because Patreon, like you said, can offer so much to creators. People could go to you know either of our Patreons and sign up at a variety of different levels. Those are set by the creator themselves. And you can say, you know what? I can only afford to do you know the lowest tier, you know, at a couple mm-hmm. dollars a month or whatever it might be. And if the creator has done their job, they have said, you know what? For your money, for your contribution and, and your help, I'm going to provide to you these things in return. They might not be exciting or or extravagant, but it could be something as simple as access. It could be access to a a discussion board or polls, like I said, or community, you know, forums and things that are private for that tier of people. It could be extra content, could be bonus episodes of a show or bonus, uh, you know, stories. I know that you've done some things like that with your community where they maybe get early access to a story that you've written or something that you've got coming out, uh, you know, on your website or, or something like that. And Precisely. Yeah. So to, to incorporate those kind of things to your Patreon and say, you know what, at a lower level, I'll give you a couple things. But as you go up, if you were willing to pay me a little more money per month, I'll give back to you access. So for instance, mine, you know, I, I have, you know, at a certain level, you can get a, a live Q and a session once a month uh, with other people to come in and we can you know, do a Q and a and talk about podcasting or blindness or, you know, whatever, and, and do that. If you are you know, petitioning or, you know, as a Patreon at that certain level. And, and there are a variety of different things that, that are offered. And so, yes, I, I agree with you. I think Patreon is very important for creators to have an outlet to reach out to their community and say, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a photographer, I'm a blogger, podcaster, YouTuber, journalist, author, and hey, I'm freelancing and doing the best I can. You know, if you have the ability at all, could you please, you know, be a patron of mine and subscribe? And for that, I'll give you, you know, something in return as part of my community. And that, that is really 
important for creators. But the reason we're here, Robert, is because really Patreon overall hasn't been that accessible, has it? Right. No, no, it has not. Um, as a matter of fact, just a few years ago, years ago, you could not even use the mobile app. So, um, like, I strongly believe that you you should not have a barrier to creating things. Because when I first heard about Patreon, I I I thought, well, gee, this is a great way for for lots of blind and visually impaired people, plus uh, um, more disabled people, to make money to maybe eventually make a living off of but it was not accessible until recently which is a really big deal because as you say creators can actually make some decent money from patreon i know that in our community of people that are blind and visually impaired unfortunately uh, you know what is it now over 80 some percent or more mm -hmm. of us unfortunately yeah. are unemployed and so maybe don't have a lot of funds to give, which is why my lowest tier is $2 a month. You know, I mean, I, I try to be aware of that. I know you do as well, but mm -hmm. we also are aware that there are people who, you know, have income or more income that they might be willing to provide. And there might be other people that aren't maybe unemployed or, or have low income that also want to support a creator, whether it's other creators, whether it's other people within your community or niche, whether yeah. it's, you know, in our case, sighted people that are friends or family of people that they hear our, our show or read our content and, and they want to participate and they want to do that. So, you know, I, I would say that it, it's available for anybody to be a supporter and a patron in that sense and to not have it be accessible with all of this is so unfortunate as you know, Robert and my listeners know that, you know, we've we've been fighting this battle with apps and services for so long. I mean, different you know, yeah. video streaming services that they're, you know, we want audio description, but heck, we can't even access the app with a screen reader to begin with because, you know, even if it had audio description, well, so what? We can't even use this, the app or the service because it's not accessible to begin with. So, you know, we, we fight this all the time. And I know, Robert, you advocate for these things all the time. And so with Patreon being so bad as it was a few years ago and even within the last year they got somewhat better the app itself somewhat yeah yeah the app itself i mean started to work a little bit better the website was a little bit better as far as accessing it and, and maybe contributing to a creator but when it came to actually creating your own page as a creator as you know as somebody like us it wasn't the most accessible and even as we speak and have this conversation it's still not there but that's because patreon has just come on board with uh, some of the initiative that you have taken along with some legal counsel to bring them to the table yeah. to to talk with them about what accessibility means. So, Robert, yeah. can you can you talk on that process and, and what went on there? Yeah. And so to be clear, um, so so when I first set out to do this, my goal was not to just have a be accessible without, you know, any future uh, 
cared to accessibility. Um, so my goal was to get Patreon to to sort of look to the future in regards to accessibility, like years uh, um, years after the initial uh, uh, structured negotiations agreement is over. I, I want them to care about accessibility. So the process wasn't just, you know, fighting a legal battle. The process was, um, was how do we get Patreon to, 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 um, to work on accessibility now and plan for more accessibility long and to the future. So that, um, so Lainey Feingold helped with a lot of that. She's amazing, actually. Um, she's she is, yes. Just truly amazing. Um, so through her structured negotiations uh, process, we were able to work with uh, Patreon very uh, closely um and so so now within the next few years or so you're going to see a lot of changes and uh, not just to benefit the screen reader um users but to those who use a magnifier for th those who use a, a one-handed keyboards and that kind of thing. But it's not going to happen tomorrow. This is a very structured, uh, carefully moving a puzzle. Uh, is that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that you guys approached it in that way. Also, one thing to note is that Patreon really, they really wanted to do the right thing they just they just had no idea how to do it um so that's another thing to to keep in mind too like i'm the most left as you could possibly get politically speaking so like so corporations <laughs> um they're not really my friend pretty much at all but you got to you have to know how to um how to approach things and like if a person really wants to become accessible and maybe doesn't know how or doesn't know um how to get the resources 
to make it accessible, um, then you can't just chop their neck off and say, okay, well, now you have to be accessible. So too bad. Um, <laughs> you, you have to look at e each and every situation and you have to, uh, you have to move forward based on um, how people like do people really want to be accessible or not and in patreon's case they really wanted to be they just had no idea how to do it i'm so really glad to hear that robert that patreon was of that frame of mind that they were willing to listen because they didn't know what to do. You know, I mentioned before that, you know, your day job is as a journalist and as an author. However, as we mentioned, you are an advocate as what you have done here with Patreon and other companies and apps and services being an advocate. I'm sure it's refreshing for you and makes your life easier and Ms. Feingold's life easier when you approach a company to say, okay, we need to talk about accessibility now and in the future. And they're receptive and say, you know what, we knew that might have been a thing, or maybe they didn't know it was a thing, but they're willing to sit at the table and say, all right, we might have dropped the ball on this. Please educate us, teach us what should we be doing that we're not doing? What should we do differently? Because honestly, we didn't know. So I, I presume that's got to be just really encouraging for you as an advocate when you come to the table with this kind of thing. Yes, it, it, it makes life so much easier that I don't have to whip out, you know, my cat claws, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I know it, you it, can it, do, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 like it just makes life so, 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 so much easier. I wish the rest of the world worked the same way, but unfortunately, um, you just have to take one day at a time so so like i'm really happy that uh, that patreon was so willing to now keep in mind they're brand new at this so they will not get everything right the first time but they're willing to learn so which is a lot lot more than you know a few other uh, uh websites and companies and things like that absolutely that's always helpful when you've got a company like we both have said that is willing to come to the table and say, yeah, we're, we're, we're not sure about this. Please help us, you know, uh, let, you know, hold our hand and help us through this process. So that being said, then, Robert, do we have any idea as to uh, an implementation timeline? I'm sure this isn't something that's just going to magically appear someday because, as you know, you know, and everybody should should understand, it, it's, it doesn't just happen like that overnight to gain right. some of this, unfortunately. I uh, wish it did, but it, it doesn't work that way. So did were they able to give any kind of time frame or expectation as to even at, le at least when we might start seeing some accessibility implementation? 
Yeah. So, so COVID um, has has really ruined a lot of things. So, so the initial timeline was um, was June or July 2020. Uh, um, links were going to be labeled uh, PDFs were going to be made accessible if used. Um, um, like around 2021, um, they were going to focus laser hard, you know, on the mobile apps. Um, so now, because of COVID, I, I, I think um, 2021, you'll see a lot of website improvements. And maybe 2022, you'll see a lot of uh, uh, um, Mobile, mobile app improvements, but they're going to do a little bit here and a little bit over there um, it, until they have enough time to laser focus on one or two uh, specific kind of things. Um, then they're going to lay the framework so, so that they don't have to be they don't have to retrofit accessibility into future things um so does that make uh, logical sense <laughs> no absolutely that makes perfect sense and i really can't even be upset at the timeline because i get it with the you know the pandemic going on right now with COVID nineteen, like you mentioned, that's pushed back a lot of things for a lot of companies and a lot of people. So uh, I can understand and respect that because who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, and to be very honest, if they're going to work on the website first and the app later, that doesn't really make me too unhappy either. Because honestly, it's the website that needs more work as far as yeah, creation yeah. goes. If you're a creator that wants to build a Patreon page and and really reach out to your community, that part is, I'd say, somewhat or mostly accessible, but there are a few things that get in your way and will stop you in your tracks that you will need maybe some sighted assistance with. When it comes to actually being a patron of someone, so for instance, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, anybody listening wants to become a patron of Robert's or mine uh, and visit Patreon and, and go to our, our, our pages, that actually isn't too bad, at least on the app itself. So if, uh, my experience has been if you download the Patreon app, for the most part, it's accessible. You can absolutely follow somebody uh, yeah. and see what they're doing, read their community messages and post with other people and, and read what's going on. You can see all the different tiers and, and how much they cost and actually you know, sign up for that. You can benefit with all of that. And that's pretty accessible. Even the couple of buttons that aren't labeled, at least I know on my iPhone, 
it does yeah. suggest this this most likely says this you know so right. it, it does give it a suggested label and it is correct the the button that is the button for the different tiers you know my iphone does suggest that it says tears and that is exactly what it is so so you can easily i think at least use the app now does it need some work well sure absolutely buttons need to be labeled some links need to be you know redone a yeah. little bit you know, there's yeah. some accessibility to be done, but because of the fact that, you know, Apple and Android have frameworks where voiceover and talkback, you know, work well, even with an app that wasn't designed with accessibility in mind, out of the box, they're not horrible, they're usable. So if anybody's concerned about actually going and looking at or searching for creators that you want to support to see if they're out on Patreon and you want to become a, a contributor, a patron of theirs... I would say, Robert, that that can that can be done pretty well. It's just that flip side that if you are a creator, you're you're wanting to get yourself on Patreon to have uh, that experience, to have people be part of your community and, and maybe get some money, you know, for what you're what you're creating. That's that's the key here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And like I stressed to Patreon because I told them I. I said, hey guys, it's totally okay if you just make the apps usable now. Um, let's focus, you know, on the website. You can do two things, um, but the website is the larger problem just as long as you don't uh, you don't neglect one or the other no exactly i think that's a fair point that they do need to make sure that they are looking at both sides of it well, Robert, I'd like to personally thank you for the work that you've done, not just working with Patreon, but so many other organizations and companies and websites that you've been involved with, whether it's just sending streams of emails or actually doing structured negotiations like this. I know that you have your finger on the pulse of a lot of this uh, as an advocate for people who are blind and visually impaired, as well as, as an advocate for you know several different things. Uh, people may not know you uh, yourself have cerebral palsy, you fight for gay rights, and of course, along with you know people that are blind and visually impaired and the right to have things accessible and i know that you write a lot about that uh with a lot of different uh posts that you put online a lot of different things that you've written for different publications uh as a journalist uh, you know you've written about this quite a bit as well as your own experiences to check out everything that robert is up to you can visit blindjournalist.wordpress.com and if you want to be a patron of robert's i i strongly encourage you to because he's got a lot of great things that he offers there as well uh you can go to patreon.com slash blind writer that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash blind writer and you can check out everything that he's doing there and of course on the website you can you know see all of his uh you know social media and everything else that that robert is up to so you know please everybody go check out 
everything that Robert is doing. But Robert, again, I want to thank you so much for not only just everything that you do with this and everything else you advocate for and everything else that you're involved in, but coming on Life After Blindness and, and letting us know about this and updating us on what's going on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, oh, oh sh sure, definitely. And um, it's worth noting that I'm not resting, uh, you know, and and anytime soon. So, <laughs> so so you'll hear me again, and you'll see my name pop up in a lot of places. So, oh, I definitely know that to be true. I I, I know that your name has come up many a times in my social media and other places, and we've literally almost crossed paths before, as, as you and I talked about before we hit record, um, you know, in the same circles. And I, I know you'll be there fighting the good fight for, for all of this, uh, for, for a long time to come. And, uh, we'll be happy to have you back on the show anytime to talk about that and other things. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep up with everything you're working on. So again, Robert, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So after speaking to Robert, I feel so much more confident about Patreon and just any other advocacy that he chooses to get himself involved with. So thank you so much to Robert for talking with me about that, talking me kind of down off the ledge. And uh, yeah, going forward with my Patreon account. So if you or someone you know would like to become a patron of Life After Blindness, go to www.patreon.com slash labcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Labcast, L-A-B-C-A-S-T. You'll see there that I have four tiers. The lowest tier is just $2 a month, and they scale up from there. And you do get all kinds of different perks, depending on which one of the tiers that you join. Well, we made it to the end of another Life After Blindness podcast. Thank you so much again to Ed Green and Robert Kingett for coming on and talking with us. And thanks again to all of you for listening to the show. If you'd like to get a hold of me, again, my email address is tim at lifeafterblindness.com. And you can find the show notes for today's episode by going to lifeafterblindness.com slash 41. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 41. Please join me again next time as together we continue our journey to find that there truly can be a life after blindness. Take care, everybody. Oh,